630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. This program is brought to you by Tim Hortons' new handcrafted lattes, decadent espresso, and 100% steamed Canadian milk meticulously prepared to order. Now available in pumpkin spice. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. So, tomorrow, 5.30 for the face-off show. The game will start at 7. In Saskatoon, the Oilers taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. Jack Michaels doing the play-by-play. Bob Stoffer doing the color. Rob Brown and I will be in studio. We have an Oilers game Saturday on 6.30, Chad. They're in Vancouver. The Eskimos game on Saturday will be on Kissing Country 103.9. So, we have you covered with the chorus stations here in Edmonton. All the sports you would like. All right. Blue Jays up 5-1, by the way. Looking good this evening. Top of the seventh against Boston. Obviously much too late for them. I am pleased to welcome to the show a former member of the 630 Jet Sports Department, now the host of the extremely popular Green Zone on CJME Radio in Regina. It's the one and only Jamie Nye. Jamie, great to catch up with you. How are you doing? Fantastic, Reed. How are you? I'm doing great. It's wonderful to have you on the big program. I love talking football and uh, and sports with you. I'm going to throw one at you here right off the top because we were talking mm-hmm. a lot of Kyler Yamamoto, not only in the first hour of the show, but over the last week and a half. He's been fun to watch. Good story. Your favorite small NHL player of all time, somebody you just enjoyed watching or respected what he did because of his small stature? Um, growing up, a um, Canucks fan, um, Cliff <laughs> Ronning. Oh, yeah. Cliff, Cliff Ronning, that, that, that was somebody in the 94 Stanley Cup run with the, the Vancouver Canucks. Um, I, I, I always, you know, kind of... I had a soft spot for Cliff Ronning. He was one of my favorite players uh, growing up. So that, that, that would be mine. Uh, he was fun to watch. Very important player. Uh, it's funny. I mean, Theo Fleury comes up for a lot of people, obviously. I, I think even Oilers fans, well, I know Oilers fans despised him, but probably admired him for uh, how he played. And, I, you know, I was thinking about this during the break because I was like, I'm going to ask JB this about small players. Total uh, departure from hockey. But two guys I always remember from the NBA, uh, Spud Webb, Muggsy Bogues. Like they were both like tiny, tiny yeah. guys who, like Bogues, I think was only five foot three, but I, I, he had some incredible seasons. Was it Charlotte he mostly played for? I think. Yeah, Charlotte Hornets uh, back in the day, and uh, yeah, Muggsy Bogues. That was uh, that was a player to to watch, and uh, you know when being a. You know, I don't know. Being in Saskatchewan at six feet, you, know, you look at the, the those are the short guys in the NBA. So that that's who you admired when you're out in the the hard court uh, trying to be your superstar outside of you know Michael Jordan and stuff like that. But Muggsy Bowe, Spud, Spud Webb was definitely definitely when you're talking about NBA small guys. Spud Webb won the NBA dunk contest. I don't know the year. If I would have known, I would have had that uh, thought. I would have looked it up when I was off air. But oh, it was that was eighty four maybe. 
was it that long ago? Was it that long ago? Or I thought go- it was like the early nineties. Got- but oh, for Webb. I thought he was still yeah. in the 80s when he won. Okay, well, let's oh, uh, slam dunk contest. I'm Googling it on my phone right now. This is fun. <laughs> Spud Webb, 1986. Don't you, don't you have 96? Spud Webb was 1986. Uh, Larry Nance, I don't even know who that was, was the first one in 85. My cousin Dominique, uh, Larry Nance won it in 84. My cousin Dominique won it in 85. Then Webb in 86. Then Jordan won 87 and 88. Uh, Kenny Skywalker in 89, and then my cousin again in 1990. That was the first few years of it. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Jamie, uh, we want to bring you on here to uh, talk a little bit about what's going on in Ryderville. I, I, there are uh, uh, some Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans, which I believe listen to this show occasionally, so I, I like to cater to them at times. Okay, so Trent Richardson, former first-round draft pick in the NFL by the Browns. They trade him to the Colts. I don't think he's really played football for about three years. So what's what's the thinking here with the Riders bringing him in? Where are you at on this? And especially, I guess, in the context of the Vince Young experiment that we saw in the preseason. Yeah, well, the, I think Trent Richardson, the last couple of games he played would have been the 2015 preseason with the Oakland Raiders. And uh, after he signed a $3.5 million deal over two years, which was, I'm a Raider fan, that was the most ridiculous contract uh, outside of Jamarcus Russell. But anyways, um, he was cut early in the preseason for the Ravens last year. Uh, bounced around, but it's weird. Third overall pick, and, and Trent Richardson was one of those stories on why for a couple of years, uh, general managers stayed away from drafting running backs in the first round. But when I look at Vince Young and now Trent Richardson, I, I, it, it is a low-risk, high-reward uh, to me. It, it costs you a plane ticket, maybe a little bit of a signing bonus, maybe not really one if it's the last opportunity to play football for some of these guys. So, okay, cost you that, and you cut them. So, whatever. Uh, but if, if they actually work out, you, know, you look like a genius. So, uh, they, these were both low-risk moves, although, you know, you, you get the headlines out of it and you get a lot of attention over it, but I don't think it makes the riders look bad that they're they're trying out guys of high caliber, and that's what Chris Jones said. This, this, these are players who were very, very talented, high-caliber guys, so who are we to say, eh, let's not give them another opportunity at football just in case they reclaim their glory days. So... I watched that game on Sunday, uh, an intriguing game. I wanted to see how the Riders did against Calgary. I thought much like the Eskimos did in the Labor Day rematch, the Riders threw their best punch or close to it, and Calgary was still able to weather it. Uh, The Riders rushed four. I can add it up quite easily in my head right now. Uh, 28 yards, I believe, uh, total. So, (laughs) <laughs> what what's give give it because how how long is Cam Marshall out and what are they going to do until Richardson gets up to speed because I think he's unlikely yep. to play against Ottawa right he is not playing against the Ottawa okay. Red Blacks it was weird Trent Richardson just showed you know, when I was walking into the stadium for practice he was pulling up in the the car from the airport so uh, he, he I was I was watching practice before he was even in a jersey and helmet so. Uh, they're they're not going to play him on Friday. Maybe up to speed against Toronto. Not quite sure about that. But Cameron Marshall worked out today with the strength and conditioning coach after the knee injury in the Labor Day game. So he's getting closer. Uh, they're hoping to have him for the final couple of games of the season, but they want to make sure that he is good to go for the playoffs, of course. 
unless Trent Richardson turns into the guy we saw play at Alabama in uh, right. 2012, but uh, <laughs> I doubt that is actually going to happen. Uh, but uh, so that, that's the story for the run game, and Keenan LaFrance hasn't really produced, especially in, in the, the past game like Cameron Marshall was, and Cameron Marshall was a better uh, pass blocker in protection, uh, which is something that's declined and created, you know, that game, you look at Kevin Glenn sacked five times, or Ryder quarterback sacked five times, and it, it was it was a heck of a day to try to stop Garrett Davis of the Calgary Stampeders and Micah Johnson up the middle. So uh, that that was it. There was the line play pass protection. Even on the flip side, they couldn't get to Bo Levi Mitchell, who I think baked a couple of cakes in the pocket, had a cup of the, cup of tea <laughs> as he picked apart a couple of plays downfield, and Jerome Messam. Well, he had himself a day, so the line play definitely has to get better for Saskatchewan to compete come playoff time as the weather dips uh, into fall playoff season. Jamie Nye joining us, CJME Radio in Regina, host of the Green Zone, excellent sports talk show they have there with a huge focus on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. How is Naaman Roosevelt, a very talented receiver, got drilled, knocked out on his feet making that one catch? Uh, I hope he's getting better because that was scary. Uh, to see he was it, it seemed like he was unconscious for minutes not seconds uh, when he hit the turf and uh, he's going through concussion protocol no real update other than he's not going to play Friday Chris Jones said kind of didn't leave it out of the realm of possibility that he could play against the Toronto Argonauts the following week in Toronto I think that'd be a stretch if he clears concussion protocol that quickly but uh, sometimes you do see guys clear the concussion protocol quicker than you'd expect, uh, especially in football, uh, despite a clear concussion protocol. So we'll be watching. Didn't see him at all today. Wasn't in the locker room. It was open locker room day for the riders. He wasn't around at all. So uh, they're, they're keeping Naaman Roosevelt away from the media a little bit. Uh, but it's, it's a loss. He's the best receiver. I, I think he's the best receiver the riders have. I think Deron Carter is the most has the most talent but but you don't know what you're going to get some days yeah exactly but between the ears all that stuff that you need all those intangibles Naaman Roosevelt has it uh, he, he reminds me a lot of Darrell Walker uh, who tried out for the NFL of course back with the Edmonton Eskimos and that's that's a huge loss but they have the depth I think to fill that void with Bakari Grant Deron Carter even though he's hurt with injury and a young guy in Caleb Hawley who uh, showed well last season all right, one more for you, Jamie. And I'm not sure, I, I've been debating how to phrase this because this may be the type of question where you might say, hold on, buddy, pump the brakes. You're, you're a little crazy asking this. But, but I'll just ask it and then see what you say. How close is Brandon Bridge to being the Rough Riders' number one quarterback? I think he is not close to being the number one guy. Ever? Uh, or just this year? Uh, maybe not ever, but... Uh, I think that they like Vernon Adams. I think okay. they're constantly trying to find the next quarterback. They were trying to get Vernon Adams in Saskatchewan for a while now. Um, and, and looking at practice today, he was taking the majority of this, the second team reps all of a sudden. I think Brandon Bridge is a little beat up from the couple of reps he got against the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, so I, I, I think they want Brandon Bridge, and he's got all the talent in the world. But this coaching staff, hates QBs who check down and run around and ad-lib. They right. like their quarterback <laughs> in the pocket. Uh, and I know Mike Riley was very successful, but he didn't really ad-lib 
uh, that offense. No, and they right? worked with him a lot to keep his eyes downfield, even when he was scrambling yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff, yeah. So that they, they really like those quarterbacks to go through the one, two, three, and then maybe run. If it is a one read, you're running, you're cut, you're gone. And Brett Smith uh, was one of those guys. So they're really working with Brandon Bridge. I think he frustrates them at times. And I think that's why I put him, okay, he's the backup now, but I think they're they're looking for someone better than Brandon Bridge. Although I, I want to see more of him. I think he is a – he's fun to watch, that's for sure. You never know what you're going to get. Ball security is a question mark, but – uh, he, he's definitely fun to watch. The Riders are intriguing to watch. Um, I, you know, I like to have fun with the fans and stuff, but but they are intriguing to watch. I, I just, you know, I see the offense with Chris Jones and, and McAdoo calling the plays, and I still just see what I saw here in Edmonton at times where they're sometimes content to try to gain four yards at a time, which leaves you in a lot of third and two situations, and then maybe try to make a big shot if you get something off a turnover. I, I just, and I know they have some really good receivers. I don't know if they have the depth of playmaker that the Eskimos had in 2015, and I, and I still wonder if that might ultimately, like, don't get me wrong, I'm not, like, I'm not trolling Riders fans I think here. The, oh, I think if Ron Carter gets back to health, they definitely have the playmakers. If Roosevelt gets healthy, they, then I think they have the playmakers on offense. But here, I'll throw one back at you. Who finishes above whom in the standings? Do you have the Riders finishing above the Eskimos or the Eskimos finishing above the Riders? It might come. It might come. Might come down to that very last game. And do you want to? Do you, or and is finishing fourth better? That's another thing people <laughs> ask me all the time. Yes. Could you? Could you imagine that last game? And you're fighting to play. <laughs> like you and me are the quarterbacks. The yeah. And, and it's like, here we go. Let's. I don't. Let, let's. Uh, it is the fight to who loses in a nine-eight. Well, and look, and that's no, but and look, I'm not. I, I wasn't saying that to say like, well, the Eskimos don't have any problems; they're going to finish ahead of the Riders. I just, and I, that was not. I know about Carter and Roosevelt. I just, just sometimes I feel like Jones has that, you know, that shackled offense, right? Where it's like, let's just not turn it over and and win on defense. And I just don't know if they're quite there. Especially if you got to go through Calgary, right? But uh, but you know yeah. it's it's an interesting discussion with that team. They they've come a long way in the last six weeks for sure. Oh, there's no doubt. If uh, two weeks ago I would have said the Saskatchewan Rough Riders over the Edmonton Eskimos in the standings, but then I wrote I actually did this. I wrote out the final seven weeks and kind of tried to predict okay who's going to win. And you know what I had? It came down to that last football game in Saskatchewan, Edmonton and the riders on who finished fourth and who finished third. And wouldn't that be something? Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of fans might be wishing for a loss <laughs> and going through the East, uh, Ottawa and Toronto. Although the Argos are... Uh, They're the one team, right? good all of a sudden. Because of the coaching and the quarterback and now now the running back. I, I think they're the, they're the biggest threat for sure. Hey, Jamie, thanks for being so generous with your time. Always love talking sports with you. And uh, I, I'm sure you'll be going home to Google uh, Muggsy Bogues videos. So have fun with that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Spud Webb, Muggsy Bogues, nothing nothing gets better than that. Some old NBA Jam. There we go, NBA Jam. Yeah, we should have an NBA Jam tournament edition tournament on Inside Sports. That would be fun. 720, Morley Scott's going to tee up the coach's show. 
All right, Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, off the top of the show, I was talking about that the, the goldfish story from St. Albert, and I want to make a movie, horror movie, Goldfish. And uh, I got some texts about that. Mike in Sturgeon says, hey, read the goldfish could, could mutate because they were located beside the microwave. I like that. Uh, Dave says, I had a goldfish as a kid named Thunderstruck. He was a good pet, but he jumped out of his bowl one day and committed suicide. <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, Darren says, uh, the goldfish could get flushed. There's a leak from a chemical plant into the sewer. Everything else is rhetorical. And uh, this, is, this is a good one. Mike says, the movie poster would have a goldfish in a toilet staring up at you. Oh, that's creepy. I got a tagline for your movie. Really. What? You got any eights? Goldfish. Oh, oh, that's not right? That's, no. that's not bad. Mine was short memories, long teeth. <laughs> I like that one, too. They what? They only remember stuff for eight seconds. That's why they're happy in a bowl, because they're like, oh, there's a wall there. I'll turn really? around. Oh, there's a wall there. I'll turn around. <laughs> oh, they, they don't remember that they're in a bowl. Right? Well, smack that's, my goat and call me stupid. That's how I've always looked at it. Yeah. They're not the smartest animals, or I guess, are they animals? Well, some people, they're, they're yeah, well, obviously animals. they're animals, but they're not cyborgs. Yeah. Oh, cyborgs. That'd be the sequel. Oh. <laughs> First, they're mutated goldfish <laughs> with huge teeth and long memories, <laughs> and then they're cyborg goldfish in the second one. <laughs> we just need one more for a trilogy. We'll keep working on this All this right. week on Inside Sports. You got, you're on to something. Jason Moss is coming in? Yeah. Awesome. Looking forward to hearing it. Thanks to our guests, Mike Commodore and Jamie Nye, everybody who called and texted. We had a lot of Yamamoto discussion. Oilers, Canes tomorrow, 5.30 face-off show, 7 o'clock for the drop of the puck. They are playing in Saskatoon. Thanks to the studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. My name is Reed Wilkins. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.